Welcome out. This is our third podcast. Uh, my name's Scott Durfee, joined today by my uncle and our good friend, our teacher, <laughs> Mr. David Durfee. Say hi, Dave. Hi, everybody. Good yeah. to be with you, Scott. Yeah, it's good to be with everybody once again. And, you know, once again, we want to just give a, a special thanks to everybody who's reaching out and giving us feedback. Those of you who have participated in sending emails giving us feedback there. Positive and negative. Yeah, we appreciate it. We, uh, you know, we we do this as a labor of love, obviously, and uh, we definitely want your feedback, uh, positive and negative. We are more, value, more valuable to us, and I'm not going to call it negative, <laughs> but yeah, I no, do... No, we're still learning. But I do uh, want to invite anybody and everybody out there who's listening and contributing to contribute that way too. He redeems us. He redeems us at gmail.com. Please send your comments. Uh, we appreciate them very much. It's how we get better, and it's how we make it better for you. Uh, so last week, uh, let me just do a real quick recap. Last week, we talked about our existence pre-mortally. We talked about our relationships there, not just with each other, but with uh, heavenly parents. We talked about a war, a conflict that took place there, which we all participated in. We talked about the results of that uh, conflict, that war. That's how uh, we know that uh, we chose him there because we are here. And uh, we talked about how it's our job now to choose him again and and kind of figure out ways to do that. We also talked about how uh, Heavenly Father just doesn't get mad at us. Uh, Dave shared a, a wonderful story that uh, he... Uh, shared with us about a lady, a young lady, who came to him for a patriarchal blessing, one of over 300 that he's given. And uh, what a great glimpse he got into her premortal life uh, and how heavenly parents there just loved her. And he used the word delighted over and over again as he's described that, not just to me, but as I've read that experience and uh, as he shared it with us. So from that today, I think, Dave, what we'll be doing is moving into some more of whose we are, right? Uh, we want to talk about our commitment in the pre-mortal life to following the Savior. We want to talk about what that means to us now, how that benefits us, how that blesses us, what covenants we need to be aware of and, and cognizant of all the time that will allow that more fully to happen. And so... Um, I'm just going to, if you'll just give me a, a couple of minutes, I just want to share a, a story here. Uh, this story was, uh, this actually happened in 2012 in Iceland. This was reported all throughout the news. You can Google it. You can find it. I, I, I got this account from a CBS uh, outlet. But a woman who was in Iceland over the weekend, um, back again in 2012, um, was re reportedly, she, it says here, over the weekend was reportedly found safe and sound by herself. So according to, the, not to uh, the, a newspaper in Iceland, the not-so-missing woman, a tourist, even participated in the intense police search over the weekend near Elgia Canyon in the country's southern volcanic re region. The mix-up apparently occurred when during a sightseeing trip Saturday, the woman broke off from her tourist group and changed clothes. Uh, the newspaper reported that citing uh, Icelandic news website that when she returned to the bus in a different outfit, the rest of her tour group did not recognize her. Then, when a description of the missing person was offered, Asian, in dark clothing, and speaks English well, the woman seemingly also did not recognize the description of 
of herself. So she began to assist the others in searching. The Coast Guard had been preparing a helicopter to help in the search. And hours later, around 3 a.m. Sunday, the search party finally realized that, alas, the woman they were looking for was with them all along. And the search was called off. So the chief police, and it says his name, I can't pronounce it, I'm not going to try, but he told the reporters that the woman simply, and this is the important part, great story, it's a little bit funny, a true story, but this is the important part. He told reporters that the woman simply didn't recognize the description of herself and had no idea that she was missing. And so, you know, as we talk, Dave, I think that kind of sets us up a little bit today as we start talking about whose we are. And we've talked about every podcast. We've talked about relationships uh, and, and how important that is, that relationship, especially with our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, our relationship with the things that we're learning here, what we do with it, our relationship with the feelings that we get inside and and uh, what we do with those. But, you know, as, as we... As we get down to that punchline, and she had no idea that she was missing. Um, yeah, how, uh, how important, Scott, is it that we recognize ourselves? You know, um, if we could, again, get a glimpse of who we were, and today as we talk about whose we are, if we could uh, recognize that, if we could recognize ourselves for who we truly are, uh, based upon the standard that has been given to us, by the scriptures and by prophets, if we could recognize that, what a life-changing experience that would be for each of us. We would be found, Scott. Yeah. We're all lost. Scripture Book of Mormon makes that clear, that we're all lost because of the fall. Uh, And we'll talk about the fall in uh, upcoming sessions, but we're all lost. And the reason that we are is we're not certainly not lost to God, no. He knows where we're at, but we're lost to ourselves. We're lost because we don't recognize the description that the world gives of us. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think it's in that, that lost state that we find ourselves in where confusion can come in, where the spirit can't be felt, or let me rephrase that, maybe where it's more difficult to feel the promptings of the Spirit. And when we can't feel the promptings of the Spirit, it's so hard for me, and I'm just going to speak for me. When I'm not feeling the promptings of the Spirit, it's really hard for me to remember who I am, yes. let alone whose I am. Right, right for I, sure. Yeah. Change of clothing. We put on a, <laughs> yeah. We've put on a mortal uh, body of flesh and blood, and uh, it's hard for us to recognize ourselves for who we really are. Yeah, that's right. So as we get to know ourselves, as we get to understand our own divine uh, natures, our divine heritage that we truly are, not just created by, but truly offsprings, we are his sons and his daughters. Birthright. We have a birthright, and we also, um, if we have... Uh, made covenants with with God, we have become joint heirs, Scott. I think that's what it means to when we say whose we are. We have become joint heirs with Christ to all of the blessings that the Father has promised us and that we were foreordained to receive in this life and in the next. 
I think it's really interesting when we talk about whose we are, that maybe we begin by considering this important scripture in the book of Acts in the Bible, when uh, it, it reads, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. You know, that's, I love that scripture. He has purchased us, Scott. We, we aren't even our own. He has purchased us. By his blood, he owns us. We are his. Because of the atoning sacrifice and the blood of Christ, uh, that's such an important truth to understand whose we are, who we belong to, because he purchased us. Everybody's asking themselves, Dave, what was that reference again? Acts what? Give us the reference on that. That's Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Chapter 20, verse 28 of Acts. Okay. So if you haven't done it, get your uh, red pencils out and mark that and dog ear that page. Uh, This is important stuff, Dave. Well, our title of our podcast yeah. is right redeemed in his blood yeah. and uh, we'll probably do a maybe a separate session on that scott on the the power of his blood we should we should actually look into why did it have to be a blood sacrifice what is the importance and the power behind that but for today's discussion that's maybe a good place to jump off and begin is to know that we're we're his we're not even a, my body and your body isn't even your own. I know people in the world are maybe uh, see it that way, and maybe that would make somebody angry for me to even say that, but that's how I see it, is that uh, he purchased me, uh, that that this body, I didn't create this body. I don't own this body. I didn't create it. I didn't purchase it. Uh, he created it, our Heavenly Father, and Jesus Christ has purchased it through his blood to help me overcome the fall. And so I belong to Jesus Christ through his atonement, and I am a son of God. Yeah. And, and I think that in this uh, society, and it's not just the society that we live in. My gosh, I can read in the Book of Mormon, I can read in the Bible, I can read back in history books that this has always been an issue, Right. Uh, of uh, turning myself over to somebody, giving my will to somebody. Am I really somebody else's? You know, we, f- we feel threatened. We have fear sometimes uh, around th- those concepts. But if we think about what it really truly means to heal, what it really truly means to turn away from and repent of something, in other words, to make our lives better, right? Those two things, healing and repentance, really one and the same, but we'll, we'll, de- we'll delineate for the, for the sake of this conversation. But, you know, to, to have those things happen, it's really important for us to know these concepts. It's really important to know that, you know what, maybe really I am not mine. Maybe I really am his. And if I think that I am mine, that there could be a problem. And we see that all the time. You know, in Alcoholics Anonymous and other recovery programs, we talk about steps and we take steps. There's 12 of them. The first three steps are, and I'm going to do this quickly, the first one is we admitted we were wrong. That we had a problem, that we are powerless over alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever the case may be. We have a, we are absolutely powerless in and of myself 
in and of myself, in and of ourselves to overcome any of this, right? So then we need to believe in, and step two is we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. My estimation is still the most important step, because if we don't know that, that's the step that hubs everything else. Nothing else works if we don't have that one. Nothing else works if they, we don't have the rest of them either. But without the second one, we can't even begin to compile a list of steps. So the second one is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. For me, that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's whose we are. That's whose we are. And then the third one is, is we made a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understand Him. And what we're doing there is we are just acquiescing what was already His. We're just giving it back. Mm -hmm. We're just saying, I was mm -hmm. yours all along. And so, you know, sometimes in our reluctance, as things come through a religious vein or a church vein or something like that, there are times when people, and I've been among them, who you know will sometimes get a little prickly, a little. Uh, but, but when we think about it in terms of just absolute truth, and these things are absolutely true. When we think of that absolute truth, first three steps: learning the gospel, understanding whose we are, understanding who we are. All of this comes into play to fulfill again our heavenly Father's desire for us that man are that they might have joy. Yeah. So in the pre-mortal existence, going back to that, we talked about that last week, but in the pre-mortal existence, we understood that that's the way it would be in this life, and that the key to maybe overcoming all of the sins, all of the addictions, all of the failings of mortality, would be to understand that truth, that we are powerless without, understand, without a, a Savior, without a Redeemer, redeemer we understood how important it would be that we came down here to not rely upon ourselves, but to rely upon Him. I love the scripture that teaches that uh, we can merit, this is uh, Aaron teaching King Lamoni's father, we can merit nothing, man can merit nothing of himself. Think about that. All of the merits to gain eternal life, to return back to our, our heavenly parents and our heavenly home, we must rely on his merits, not our merits. So that's, that's the importance of the plan of redemption right. is having a redeemer. Right, right. So there's a lot of questions, you know, that a lot of people are going to have and, uh, you know, and that even I have uh, from time to time about, okay, so how does all of this come to be? I mean, how do we, you know, I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that to my sweetheart, Deb, and I haven't talked about her, uh, what a great wife, uh, what a great uh, example to me of absolutely, just much like yours, much like your wife. You, you are unworthy. Uh, yeah, both of us, bro. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know, right? For sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely unworthy. I've told people before, this is just proof that I'm the world greatest salesman <laughs> you know <laughs> but but uh, you know one of the things that uh, deb has always to help me to understand is that concept of love right is that concept of uh, the way that she sees these things and the way that she can um, take them into her soul take them into her heart 
she really has the ability to not just see herself that way, but to help other people see themselves that way, a real Christ-like gift there. And so, you know, hopefully today, as we start going through this stuff, that will be all of our experience that we'll be able to just get a better glimpse of who we are. I remember last week, the story you told of the young lady that got her patriarchal blessing and got a glimpse of who she was. And, yeah. and even told that, you know what, Heavenly Father's just never been mad at you. Yeah, well, I have I have one more story to share with you today, a little bit about that. And uh, let's go back to our premortal existence for just a minute, Scott, and talk about the doctrine that the atonement of Jesus Christ even had power in our lives as spirits, sons and daughters of God, before we were born. We were able to progress and grow and develop as spirits. So time out. Through the atonement of Jesus Christ. You said the atonement had effect on us in the pre-mortal existence. It was retroactive. I, I, let me just read a scripture in the Book of Mormon in Mosiah uh, chapter 16. This is Abinadi teaching King Noah, and to help him understand this, this is like 150 B.C., and Abinadi speaking about Christ, who wouldn't even be born for another 150 years, says, and now if Christ had not come, and he's, he's speaking in present tense, like yeah. it's, like, you know, or yeah. past tense, like it's already happened, and now if Christ had not come into the world, get this, speaking of things to come as though they had already come, there could be no redemption. Wow. So it was not only... Ret- the atonement of Jesus Christ was not only retroactive before Christ, all the way back to Adam and Eve. I mean, we know Alma repented. Right. That was before Christ. We know Nephi repented. Right. We know Adam and Eve repented right. when they came out of the garden. Isaiah, all the great prophets, would have believed in Christ and repented in his name, through, yep. had faith in his name. That not only goes back to Adam and Eve, it was retroactive back into the Grand Council of Heaven when it was presented there. I think we must have possibly even got a glimpse, Scott, of the atonement of Jesus Christ and the importance of it in our lives as spirits, in the, in the realms of Heaven before we were born. We knew that Jesus uh, Christ and His atonement was the key to our progression and our, our growth there as well as it is here. Comforting, right? To, I mean, to know that uh, it, it wasn't, and we talk about this, and um, I'm looking at a book right here actually called Grace is Not God's Backup Plan. This wasn't just a knee-jerk reaction to somebody's mess up down on earth, right? This was part of the grand council, the grand plan from the very, very beginning. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so I had this experience as a dad, uh, Scott, I want to just kind of relate. Um, I've shared it with you before, and it's uh, been a great blessing in my life and the life of our family that uh, I have a son who was a, uh, we had moved to Minnesota, I think, when he was probably about eight years old, and um, he was a, he became a, a really great basketball player. He was played on AAU basketball back in Minnesota. Uh, was a captain of his uh, basketball team. Was all conference, and this is in the Lake City Conference, which is the biggest conference in Minnesota, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, anyway, and he had a lot of success, and he saw himself. His identity yeah. 
was that he was a basketball player. Talking again about you know who we are, or whose we are. He was uh, he was basically uh, purchased by the team and by the coach and saw himself as a basketball player. Sure, yeah. and uh, and he was good at it and had some success at it and um, went on to play some college basketball in Minnesota. And uh, one weekend he was home uh, and I had uh, was taking him back to his college on a weekend. And uh, we were talking about uh, the church, and I said, De- De- "Hey, Devin, do you do you go to church? Are you going to church, son?" And he said, oh, "I go once in a while, Dad." And I said, uh, "Are you are you thinking about going on a mission? Are you still thinking, planning on going on a mission?" And there was a little brief pause, and then he said, "Dad, I'm never going to go on a mission. I'm not a missionary. Uh, please don't ever bring that up again." That was kind of hard for me to, to hear, but um, but I took it. We didn't talk much the rest of the way, and uh, I was I was really sad that day, and sad to come home and tell my wife that. And that night we prayed again that Devin would go on a mission. But um, anyway, so uh, he uh, was having a great college experience. Was captain of his college team and. And we had the opportunity, we weren't actually invited by the church, I was working for the church, uh, uh, region director over seminaries and institutes, we were invited to move back to Utah, and we accepted the invitation, and I didn't know if Devin would even come with us, he had a non-member girlfriend at the time, and, and uh, I told Devin, I said, we're going to move back to Minnesota, we're going to go move from Minnesota back to Utah, Devin, I hope you'll come with us, and he said, I'll try it, Dad, and so I actually uh, brought him back to Utah during the summer, before uh, a few months before we moved, and and uh, he found a girl. Uh, he was introduced to a girl that he started to date, Brittany, who I'm so thankful for, and um, he fell in love with Brittany, who was a good member of the church. And by the time we moved out of here, they they were pretty close. And and a few months later, in October of the year we moved back here, he came and told us that they were going to get married. And uh, that they were engaged, and I was excited, and I just happened to make the comment, "Oh, Devin, that's that's great, but will you do just do me a favor before you get married? Will you please get your patriarchal blessing?" Now that was before I was a patriarch, but I'd encouraged him many times to get his blessing back in Minnesota, and he'd never done that. So anyway, I'm I'm coming home from work one day about two weeks later, and I get this uh, phone call. Uh, hey, Dad, where does the patriarch live? Devin asked. And I said, hey, son, you can't just show up, bud. You got to get a, uh, you got to get a uh, recommend. You got to see your bishop. Interview. Yeah, you got to be worthy for that. It's something that you should prepare for. And uh, he said, hey, dad, I've seen the bishop. I have a recommend. I've been fasting and praying all day. I have an appointment at seven o'clock tonight. Will you just tell me where he lives? (laughs) That sounds so much like Devin. (laughs) Yep, that's exactly right. And I was... uh, Oh, man, I was kind of shocked, but I was so happy. And then I thought about it, and I said, so we're coming, right? Are we invited? And he said, no. I just want this to be between me and the patriarch and the Lord. So Devin didn't even ask Brittany to be there. No. Yeah. Brittany, he said to he actually said to me on the phone, uh, Dad, I've asked Brittany to come over to the house. Is that okay? You guys can just visit, and, and I'll see you after I get my patriarchal blessing. 
And I thought that was awesome. And so we enjoyed an hour with Brittany. Devin showed up at our home after getting his blessing about 8 o'clock. He came to walk in the house, and he opened the door, and he wouldn't let go of the doorknob. He took one step in, and with his other hand, he motions to Brittany, I need to talk to you outside. And it looked like he'd seen a ghost. I mean, I could tell he was kind of afraid. or well, I don't know what had happened. I was worried. Yeah. And... uh so they walked outside. When they walked outside, I ran up the stairs to look out my bedroom window. Like see what any was good going dad on. would do. <laughs> and uh, I could see them uh, crying. And, and uh, pretty soon they, uh, the, later, they came to walk in, and I was I downstairs. Think, I think you need to describe that, what you saw out there a little more. They weren't just crying. They were embraced. They were yeah, leaning against his yeah, car. Yeah, it they was, were wiping tears from each was, other's faces. It was tender. Yeah. It was really tender. Yeah. And um, I ran downstairs uh, when they when they came to come back into the house, and uh, you had to get to the couch before you yeah, were yeah. discovered. Yeah, I right. was. I still could run in those days, and uh, they came in. They they he said, "Dad, uh, we're going to leave. I just wanted you to know that um, we're going to leave, and I'll tell you about it tomorrow." So I didn't sleep a lot that night, and I got up really early the next morning, and I was at the kitchen table when Devin came upstairs to go to go to work, and I said, son, please, please, can you tell me what happened last night in your blessing? And uh, he said to me, Dad, I had a vision. And I said, what? What do you mean you had a vision? And he said, I, I got a glimpse, Dad. I got a glimpse of my pre-mortal existence. And he said, this is a, a quote, I was very valiant in getting people to follow Jesus Christ and not follow Satan. And I, as I'm listening to this, I'm amazed, and I look up at him, and he said, I, I, hear, I heard a voice, Dad, and this while he's getting his blessing. And he said, I heard a voice, and it said, if you did that there, you have to do it here. And he put out his arms, and he said, so I got to go on a mission, Dad. And the engagement's off. Just like that, Scott. Oh, my gosh. In one, in one blinding moment, as soon as he got a glimpse of his relationship with Jesus Christ in the pre-mortal existence and what Jesus Christ meant to him there and how he got people in the pre-mortal existence to follow Jesus Christ and not follow Satan, all part of the war, of, uh, war in heaven. Yeah. How that completely, immediately changed not only how he saw himself, but how he saw his purpose and meaning in this life. Yeah, and how he saw actually everything, right? Everything. And so, you know, everything. let's just push pause for a second. Every one of us in this life has been Devon at some point, right? There's been something that we knew or we felt a pull to do, whether that was a divine pull or just something good in our lives that we thought, you know, and everything good is of God, right? Everything that's light and of good is of God. And so we feel those pulls to do those things, but... 
for whatever reason. And 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 this is I, I'm not this is not commentary on Devin. This is commentary on Scott. You know, when I've faced those things, and I have to ask myself, you know, what has been in the way of me from time to time becoming and fulfilling my promises about who I am and who I am to become later on. And so, you know, what we see here, and you use the word glimpse. I wrote it down. You use the word glimpse. Sometimes that's all it takes, just a tiny glimpse, just yeah. a tiny glimpse of who we are to kind of change everything, uh, do a complete capitulation of who we are, uh, just a tiny glimpse sometimes. Amen. What, what a tender mercy. I never saw, I've never seen myself in the pre-mortal existence. Neither have I. I don't think 99.9% uh, .9 of Heavenly Father's children see themselves as spirits in the pre-mortal existence, although I've had a couple of experiences with individuals who have. But, Scott, I don't have to see myself there. No. I just have to have a glimpse. That's it. And I can get that glimpse as I read the Scriptures. I've, I've, I've received a glimpse reading the Scriptures, reading my own patriarchal blessing, listening to the prophets and the promptings of the gift of the Holy Ghost in my life, I I can tell you that, and when I pray, I I have a glimpse yeah. that it's that I really did exist there, and that Jesus Christ is not only my Savior here, but He was my Savior there. There too, and that changes everything for us. That changes all of our experiences here. All of our experiences here. That knowledge that experience changes all of the other experiences let me just share real quickly two years ago i was hunting turkeys with family some of my sons some brothers-in-law uh, and i was in a part in my life uh, you know like we all sometimes get to even when things are great when we just feel uh like we're just trudging along and that was a part that was a time for me uh, and but i knew uh because i had had experiences in the past and i had put things into to place and moving uh, into place where I knew certain tools and certain things that could help me. I knew in the back of my mind who I was. In the front of my mind, it had become a little faded. And so in the middle of the night, I found a rock out among the sagebrush, among the pinyon pines and the cedars, and I kneeled on my knees. The sun was, I mean, the sun, the moon was bright. The stars were bright. It was one of those perfect nights when you could just almost fill in anyway. Mm -hmm. And all I did is I kneeled on my knees and I looked into heaven and I just said, can you just remind me? Mm. Can you just rem And it was instantaneous, Dave. Instantly, I got a gl another glimpse. Mm -hmm. I was provided the tender mercy of yet another glimpse of who I was. And it's happened time and time again since then. I think that that's an important concept, an important thing for us to realize, is these experiences don't have to come as a result of a monumental spiritual process that we've been through, like preparing to get a patriarchal blessing. That helps. Yeah. And sometimes it ensures it, no doubt. But according to the tender mercies of the Lord, He will sometimes reach down to us and provide those glimpses, even, even when we're maybe not the most aligned. I think we should seek it. I think that's the promise, that if we seek, we shall, we shall find. If we knock, right. it shall be opened. If we'll, if we'll seek for it, I think all of us can, can have that glimpse. I think it uh, can be an important part to our spiritual, uh, to our spiritual progression here. Yeah, no question. But in talking maybe a little more, Scott, about whose we are, uh, it's so important that we understand that we are 
not just sons and daughters of Heavenly Father, but because of being purchased by the blood of Christ and because of his atoning sacrifice, we have become the sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. And I, this scripture, I think, uh, teaches that really plainly. This is um, King Benjamin. Uh, this is in Mosiah chapter 5, verse 7. One of my favorite little chapters in the Book of Mormon. Not very long. It's only 15 verses long. Listen to verse 7. And now because of the covenant which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and daughters. For behold, this day he hath spiritually begotten you. For ye say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name. Not just faith in him, uh, Scott. On his name. Faith on his name. Therefore ye are born of him and have become his sons and daughters. So, you know, I know we are spirit, sons and daughters of heavenly parents, but we have also become and, ha- and have seen ourselves in the premortal existence and should see ourselves here as spiritual sons and daughters of God. In other words, our spiritual lives, our spiritual progression depends upon knowing that Jesus Christ is our spiritual Father, having purchased us and born, we could say, born us again spiritually because of his atoning sacrifice. Yeah, it kind of gives uh, you know some more insight when he uh, what he told Nicodemus, right? Except right. a man be born of the water and the spirit, and he and 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 you know obviously Nicodemus poses a question: How can he get back in the womb, right? And so you know as we talk about uh, being born again or being born unto Him, that He can per- because of the purchase through the redemption through the atonement. I think that. I, I don't think this. I absolutely know this to be true, that as people, myself included, and I get the opportunity because of the blessings that have come into my life, I get the opportunity to see this effect in many lives, uh, many times throughout the week, throughout the month, sometimes throughout the day, to just get that glimpse, that reminding that remembering, you know, remembering. I think President Kimball was the one that said mm-hmm. the most important word is, that we can use is to remember. Remember. Uh, well, he said the most important word in the Book of Mormon. Remember. That's was right. was remember, and that scripture is so important, Scott, that you just made reference to, which is uh, um, one of my favorites is where he tells his sons. Uh, now, my sons, remember, remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ. Well, remember, remember. Uh, I don't think that just includes this life. I think it means try to get a glimpse of, of this back into your premortal past. Remember, remember, that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that ye must build your foundation. Right. And then it, and then it goes on. So I, I think you're right, that if we could just try to remember... There's a, there's a power about that. And, you know, speaking of the pre-mortal existence, as it's taught in the Scriptures, Scott, it's powerful to think about what Alma taught in uh, 
Alma chapter 13, when he's talking about um, getting a glimpse of who we were in the pre-mortal existence, and as he's teaching, he's, he says here, looking forward to the Son for redemption. Okay, so he's talking about the plan of redemption. Uh, there are teaching Zeezrom and the people at this time. And then he says to them, and this is the manner after which ye were ordained, having looking forward to the redemption of Christ, being called and prepared from before the foundation of the world, according to the foreknowledge of God, on account of their exceeding faith, exceeding faith, and good works in the first place. In the first place means in your first estate or in your pre-mortal existence. That's who we are, and that's whose we are because of the faith that we had in Christ even before we were born. That's why we won the war in heaven, right. is because we had sufficient faith in Jesus Christ. And if we could just, oh, remember, remember. And it's the key to winning the war it's here, it. Scott. It is. The war that we all fight individually within ourselves is is remembering and exercising exceeding faith in Christ and good works. Well, so, you know, as we, and we're getting close, it's surprising to me how just quickly time flies when we're doing these things, because uh, there's just so much more that we could expound on and take away with this. But I, I think that this is a perfect opportunity for us to just make an invitation to everybody that's listening. Uh, and, and regardless of who or where you are, regardless of who or what you think you are, uh, please just take a moment and and find that quiet place and go to try to have that communion that, uh, you know, in, in uh, recovery, we it's our 11th step. We, we focus on the 11th step where we, um, through prayer and meditation, uh, maintain a conscious contact with God, with our Heavenly Father. And so through prayer and meditation, you know, it's my plea to you that uh, we will go out there and do whatever we need to do, we, whether it's on the, uh, a, a rock in southern Utah hunting turkeys, whether it's uh, on a mountain on horseback, whether it's on the ocean, whether it's on the... Wherever that... In whether your, it's In your closet. In the closet, <laughs> in the temple. I mean, wherever. Right. right. Driving down the street in your car. I, I, I've communed there multiple times, and I know a lot of people do. What a powerful prayer it would be if we would all... Uh, thank God that we have been purchased. That we, t what a great prayer it would be to confess and acknowledge to God that we know we are not our own, but that we have been purchased by His Son yeah. and His blood. Yeah. I, I think that would be a powerful prayer and bring the, the, the power and influence of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit into our lives. And uh, that truth, Scott, seeing it, seeing it that way, having that perspective, is um, is really humbling. It changes, you know. It kind of takes the pride right out of you when you know you're not your own man. Yeah. You know, we kind of yeah. brag about that. Yeah, yeah. Be your own man. Be your, do your own thing. Yeah. And and of course, that's again the great lie Satan promulgated. Sure. Yeah. In the pre mortal existence. Yeah. Was he wasn't he didn't want to force us to keep the commandments. He wanted nothing to do with commandments. No. He wanted nothing to do with obedience. His whole thing was, go down there and be your own man. Do your own thing. And that really appealed to a lot of people there. 
Well, unfortunately, that same lie is being taught here, and a lot of people are buying it. We are not our own. We have been purchased. That's, it's just so important that we not only know who we are, but whose we are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and as we get into these, uh, we talk about in the church, and we talk about it in recovery and in life, uh, about um, turning our will and our life over to God. You know, in the church, we call it a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Um, and, and, you know, all of these things that bring us closer back to remembering, and then we go back to last week when we talked about pre-mortal existence. We talked this week about a lady who lo- is lost and then finds herself, didn't realize she was lost, you know. We talk about uh, a, a, a young man who uh, has his own life planned out. He's, de- he's determined that he is a basketball player. That's who I am. And, uh, you know, I, and I wonder how often, how many of us have done that same thing. I know I have, right? I know I have. We all have. Well, I, yeah, I am, I am Scott Durfee, the whatever right. you want to follow that up with, the baseball coach, the, and I don't coach baseball anymore, but that was at one point, you know, the horse trainer, the, uh, the, uh, the guy that teaches stock market stuff on the internet, whatever the case may be. But, but, but really, but really, you know, to identify as his, to identify and understand whose we are. And, you know, and, and in the beginning, and I can see, Dave, a lot of people will think, because we are taught this, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, be your own man, go make your own way. There's a lot of right. really good things about that kind of right. mental thinking, good positive mental attitude. There's nothing necessarily innately wrong with a good positive mental attitude. When it becomes wrong is when we think it's all about me. Yeah. When we think it's all about us, when it's my job to make my life better. When it comes to redemption, we can never earn it. We can never merit enough. We can never be good enough. We can never say or do or make enough covenants when it comes to redemption, Scott. If we don't understand this truth, that it is through Jesus Christ that we are redeemed, not through ourselves. We cannot earn it. This is a key. We'll talk more about this in, in uh, upcoming sessions. We can only qualify ourselves to receive redemption. It is a free gift. Salvation and redemption is free. That was taught by Lehi in Second Nephi chapter 2. It is a gift. We can never earn it. We can only learn to qualify ourselves to receive the gift. Yeah. And part of that qualifying is learning how to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. And know who we are. Knowing who we are. And knowing, knowing the, the goodness of God and the goodness of Christ and the power of his redemption. And as we do that, uh, you know, life will continue to throw curveballs at us. Life will continue to uh, just get in front of our progression in terms of what we define as peace, what we define as happiness and those types of things. But once we remember, once we learn to that when things just get out of whack, and they will, 
Uh, we remember as we commune at the sacrament table. We remember as we find our own grave groves that are sacred to us. When we look for those closet spaces when necessary, even wherever the case may be, and we reach out and re-invite him into our lives so that we can get a better glimpse again of who we are, all things change. Yeah, amen. You, you, um, I just had this thought, Scott, that you know, even in the church sometimes we get so caught up in positions and in authority, and uh, it can really, it, it's just really a... Uh, Occupational hazards, not the word, but it, it's a real it's a real problem. When we begin to think, I am the fill in the blank, right? I am the the bishop, the president, the patriarch, whatever. When we think that's who we are, yeah, we're in trouble. It it be, it can be a real problem. Uh, the fact is, I love the way Mormon you know states it in in Third Nephi. He says. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Right. That's the that's the key to our progression is not about position, not about authority, not about any of that stuff. Uh, but just knowing that Christ has purchased us and that we want to be humble followers of him and that we rely on him uh, knowing that uh, only through him relying on his merits can we be redeemed? What a great message, a message of hope, a message of eternity, the message of, that's the answer to all of our questions and all of our problems right there. So uh, we're out of time. My gosh, it just continues to fly. Uh, what a great experience it's been. Once again, this is our third podcast, and what a great experience. Thank you so much to all of you for being here with us. Just as a final invitation, and then I'll let Dave say a couple of words. But uh, just as a final invitation, uh, take this week and seek a glimpse. Seek a glimpse of who you really are. Um, and, and as you do that, uh, maybe share with us. He redeems us at gmail.com. Maybe share with us a few of your experiences. If you wouldn't uh, mind us using them on the air, please uh, grant us permission in your email while you're doing that. Um, but, uh, you know, we'd love to hear about your glimpses as we've shared ours. Yeah, thanks, Scott. And um, one thing we didn't have time to get into today that we'd kind of planned to was to talk about, okay, we, we've identified that we are uh, sons and daughters of God, that we are spiritual sons and daughters of Christ, and uh, we need to spend some time talking about what it means to be of the uh, Abrahamic covenant and to be children of Abraham and Sarah and the importance of our, of our lineage to Father Abraham, which, which is not unique to our faith. You know that's that's true for Jews and Muslims and everyone else. They're they're children of Abraham too, but there is something about that covenant relationship that we'll maybe explore in future podcasts, maybe even the next one, and talk about a lineage and again about who we are in regards to Abraham and Sarah, and then maybe even after that we'll talk about the fact that we are we we need to celebrate our humanness, Scott. We need to celebrate the fact that we are also fallen sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Absolutely. <clears throat> I'd like to get there quick <laughs> to celebrating our humanists, right? I mean, because, you know, this is not gloom. This is not a message of 
being down and out. This is a message of hope and excitement and and joy. And part of the plan, Scott. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And to celebrate our humanness in spite of our humanness is really going to be some an, an invitation to all that I think is going to be quite freeing. I know that yeah. it has been for me. So. I look forward to it. Me too. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much once again for being with us. Uh, we, again, appreciate all of your feedback at he redeems us at gmail.com. When you go to the various podcast outlets, don't forget to subscribe, like and subscribe. Uh, that helps us out a lot. Uh, we appreciate it very much and I look forward to you in being with you once again next week. Until then, God bless. Take care. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>